0: Hey, was it? What, what a wonderful couple of days we've had together. Amen. What a privilege. And uh, gee, I just want to thank the GGC crew for hosting us so wonderfully. Let's give them a huge shout out and thanking. It's been phenomenal. It really has. We are incredibly grateful for your hope opening your, vac- uh, your venue for us and allowing us to come and celebrate in here and mess it all up for you and cause dramas with all your neighbors, and we're very grateful for that. But we really do want to thank you. Everybody who's served in any way, let's thank everybody who's served. We are so grateful. We really are. It's been an incredible time. Thank you to everyone who's come from far and wide. We want to thank you that you've joined with us for these last few days. If I can, just thank the team, my team, just for their... The wonderful contribution this week. Well done to you guys. Why don't we thank this great king of ours for what he has done. He is magnificent. The stuff he's done. And uh, we are super grateful. You know, these times we often wonder what happened when we're together and we focus on the stuff that he has done that we know of. But I'm convinced the true equip what happens here doesn't stay here. And in actual fact, we will see the ramifications of these last few days together over the weeks, months, and our trust and hope even the years to come. How many of you know these moments matter? But the joy of what we do is now we've got to go and live out what God has said. It's wonderful to have these mountain peaks and moments together and encounters and encouragement. And it's important and we need them. But then we go from this place now and go and live out and realigned what God's called us to and confirmed some stuff. And I've been challenged. I've come to, to contribute, but I've also been receiving a lot and challenged. And I'm going back different too. But I've absolutely loved being back in Australia. And this is such a great, great nation. It really is. You are super privileged to live here. I know you've got your issues. Every nation does too. But I want to tell you, God has picked you, handpicked you for such a time as this. And Bible says in Acts seventeen twenty six, God has determined the exact places and times where we should live. He didn't pick a place and time for you to go visit, where you live, place and time where we should live. And Paul goes on and says, and God did this, that men would seek Him, reach out and find Him, though He not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. And so I do believe what Paul was saying is we've been handpicked for such a time as this by heaven, to be here for such a time as this, that people will find God because we're here. We had a bit of a panel this afternoon about church planting. I think I want to just remind everyone that God does not give cities to churches. God gives churches to cities to impact the cities for God. And so it's not that these people around us exist for us. God so loved this region. God so loved this place. Obviously that he sent his son, but he also handpicked you people to be churches and to be people and to be followers of Jesus around the places where you have. So we can reach them. We are God's gift to this world. I know you're going to get, oh, we're not God's gift. Oh my God. Yes, we are. God so loved this place. He put us here to reach them for him. And we've got to live with that destiny. We've got to live even in crazy seasons. I know some of us who are raising sons and daughters in this time, like uh, physical sons and daughters, the pressure. We keep saying, I never had to face what my kids are facing. I've never had to face, and that's true. But know this, if God called them to be here for such a time as this, He's graced them for this season, even though you were graced for your season. And our role is not to raise them up to fear the culture. We were not given the Holy Spirit to hold on and hang on and wait for the return of Jesus. We have been not to survive the culture, but to transform the culture. And so we're going to raise up people, men, women, sons and daughters, that will go into the places that are fearful, people are scared, go into dark places and shine the light, not hang on in our holy huddles for Jesus to come back. And so I trust, even in all that's been said and done, that we are trusting God for big things in this season. And, and we need God to do what He said He's going to do. But God wants us to do what He's told us to do. And we work hand in hand. That's what partnership is really all about. If, uh, if you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you please to turn in it to Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, and this is a little bit different to how I would kind of land, or we never land anything, we send them out, and it's kind of the last, it's it's the last evening for us together, uh, God willing, till the next time, and uh, you know, you kind of want to send everyone out and fire them up and that, but this is a different, I I really believe God is something different this evening, so it's a little bit different to what I'd usually do, but I want to be faithful, like who knows if I ever, I mean, God willing, I'll get back. But who knows if I, I don't? It's just no guarantees. And so I want to make sure that I'm faithful to what he wants us to hear rather than, hey, next time I come, I want to share some of these things. And, and know this, that the challenge that comes tonight is the challenge for every single one. I love that there's younger people in this room. And who knows what that means? And put your hand up if you're young. Okay, because young is relative. Let's be honest. Put your hand up if you're old. See, I mean, everybody's confused. And so I want to say this because this message is not for young people. It's for all people. And I'm really not hyping you this evening, but how many of you truly believe there is more in God? Okay, put your hands down. If you don't believe there's any more in God, put your hand up, please. Okay, that means it's for every one of us. We all believe there's more. Not because some slogan says it somewhere. it's because God is a God of more, God's got more for us, God's got more for us to walk in, God's released us from things in order to release us into greater things and so in it all we need to stay true and faithful to what it is He's called us to. I hope you've turned to 1 Peter chapter 1 and I'm going to, 2 Peter chapter, what did I say 2 Peter? Just Peter somewhere. pick whatever you want but... While you're turning there, Second Thessalonians 1:11 says this. Paul says, "We constantly pray for you, that our God may count you worthy of His calling, and that by His power He may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith." In Ephesians chapter four, which was quoted much this afternoon or this morning. But in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, Paul writes, as a prisoner for the, the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I pray that you'll walk a calling to the calling you've received. I pray that you'll live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. We've heard this week that every one of us in this room are called by God. We all are called, handpicked, chosen, not just saved from, but saved into. More important what we get saved into than what we get saved out of. Colossians chapter 1 tells us we've been rescued from the dominion of darkness, transferred from darkness into the kingdom, into the sun, in which we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so the point in all of this is we all are called by God to different stuff, different things, but called by God. These people who say that we just simply get saved and then we wait for the return and go back to try and get to heaven. No, no, God saved us here on earth, not just to take us to heaven, but to walk in the call of God here on earth. We are saved and called, chosen by God. And much was spoken of this week that it's the priesthood, Of all believers, the priests need to be priests. For too long, we've had a handful of leaders who are going to do everything and everyone else cheers them and makes them the heroes when God has no heroes except Jesus. Everybody's needed, all hands on deck. God will not allow a handful of leaders to do what He's called His people, all priests to priests. And priests have the privilege, in the Old Testament, if you were a priest, you would go to God on behalf of the people. If you were wanting to hear from God, you'd have to go find a prophet to speak to you on God's behalf. But when Jesus died on the cross and he said, Lesta, It is finished the veil between God and man was ripped from the top to the bottom, initiated by God from God. And now in this New Testament, new covenant after Christ, we all get to go to Jesus. We all get to go to God and hear from him anytime we want. And we don't need a priest to stand on behalf of us because Jesus is the high priest who's done it all. We Go to Jesus anytime, not through a man, not through your pastor, not through a leader, but by our sons and daughters of the Most High God. And so there's this privilege that we get to go to Him as priests, but we also get to function as priests and uh, fulfill the mission that He has in the priesthood of all believers. The days of a handful of leaders are going to get paid to do the job. God shook things up over these last crazy years for everybody to take ownership of their calling. (laughs) For churches to come back and followers of Jesus to come back to the call. And I said this the first day I preached, that the greatest, one of the biggest tests of what we've gone through is we've come back to calling. Not just position led, but calling calling. And those of us who not survived this but stayed the course are back in the call of God. How many of you know that's a great church is walking in the call? We can actually walk in some great things going forward. We're the right candidates if we're walking in the call of God to fulfill everything God has for us going forward. The church can be and should be strong. So I want to just talk around calling for a little moment, a little while, and... um, i don't want to get kind of caught in the weeds but i've been obviously part of my role is to talk i talk to leaders and pastors and people all the time and there's this unknown about calling and we mix things up and, and and i i believe again just some questions to ask when it comes to calling i think there are four questions that help us understand calling first question is this who am i called to be Paul said, "Work, live a life worthy of the worthy of the calling you've received." So ask that. Don't ask people. Ask, "Who am I called to be?" I want to say about this: who you called to be never changes. It's not linked or tied to a position. It's not tied. To a role and it's not tied to a place. Who am I called to be? The second question is what am I called to do? What am I called to do? The third question is where am I called to serve? Where am I called to serve? And the fourth question is... How am I called to serve? How am I called to serve? Who am I called to be? What am I called to do? Where am I called to serve? And how am I called to serve? Now, as I said, who am I called to be? does not ever change but the other three questions can change will change and must change the pastors in this room this evening this whole thing pastors never retire you've heard about that we don't retire in the kingdom it's always so you've got people hanging on to something forever because they don't believe in retiring but let me understand, if we understand, the call of God, who I'm called to be will never change. But where I function, how I function, where I serve must change. They're linked. So when I do hand over a local church because my season's over, the call of God on my life hasn't changed. But where I'm serving, how I'm serving, what I'm doing changes. It gives us freedom to actually know that there are seasons in God in different places and different ways. And if we could just get free of those things, probably be a little more effective going forward in the call of God. There are calls that God has for us, and we're all called to be something. But you're going to change. And even this week, serving here and serving there and going here and nations and regions. And Darren did a great picture here this, this afternoon of, or this morning of how we serve. And we can go. Those all change. But who you called to be must never change. And this is for all of us, young and old. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter writes and he says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, Make every effort. There's some effort required. It's not all Holy Spirit do this in me. There are things we've got to make an effort in. And Peter's writing, and I would say all Scripture obviously is essential and prophetic, but it's like Peter was writing to us tonight, gone through the season we've gone. It is so profound, First and Second Peter. Go read it and let God speak to you. It's been such a God for me through this crazy season. And he says this, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. Did you catch that? Add to your faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, Brotherly, kindness, love. Add those to your faith. Persevere. Make an effort to add these things to your faith. Verse 8. For if you possess these qualities, and can I just say, you cannot pass on what you don't possess. For if you possess these qualities, you can't pass them on if you don't, possess them. In an increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Those are the two most offensive words. I would, if you called me ineffective or unproductive, I would be offended. So when I read these things will stop me being ineffective and unproductive, then I want to give my attention to those things. But it says, in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, some more offensive words. Are you ready? He is nearsighted and blind. Now I wear glasses, not for sure, just so you know. I am a little blind. But nearsighted, I don't want to be in the kingdom nearsighted. How many of you know we need followers of Jesus who are not nearsighted and blind? Nearsighted and blind, and he has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, verse 10, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall away. And you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of the Lord and Savior Jesus. Verse 10, Be all the more eager to make... You're calling an election show. Now, I know this means many things, but I love how Eugene Peterson says this in that verse. He says, so friends, confirm God's invitation to you, His choice of you. Be eager to do something with implications of readiness to expend energy and effort to be eager. Eagerness, devotion is what we're told to make sure, to verify, make sure, to know with certainty, to be made known true, certain, and verified. So this is what we've been warned of, to verify this, to make sure with eagerness, give your heart, make sure you're walking in these things. And and I feel like that's been the test for many. I mean, without pointing fingers, and how many of us know people who've fallen away? Friends, I know leaders. I know people. It's tragic. I have the privilege of traveling. And certainly pre-COVID, I traveled at times eight months of the year around the world. And, and it's tragic when you go back to a place, back to a region, and you ask just out of inquiry, out of concern and care, where's this person and where's this person? And in, uh, invariably, they no longer in ministry, no longer involved. They've left the church. They've left their spouse. They are gone. And now they are missing in action and they are splattered all over the world, people who had a moment, who walked with God, who've walked away and are gone. And I'm not throwing rocks at them or pointing fingers, but surely we can get to a place where that will stop. And tonight, none of us have to fall away. None of us have to be splattered regardless of what comes our way, who recognizes us, who doesn't. Let's settle some things tonight and stay the course and walk in all that God has for us through seasons that matter, through seasons we understand or through seasons we don't understand. But surely, friends, we don't have to fall away because things didn't go our way. You see, this calling, is a, it means to urgently invite someone to accept responsibility for a particular task, implying a new relationship to the one who calls you to the task. I want to tell you, God calls us to Himself before He calls us to the task. And if you are task-focused, calling oriented with understanding He calls you to Him first, you're in trouble of losing your way and burning out even in the call of God. God always calls us to Him before He calls us for Him. And don't get so for Him that you forget about Him and going to Him. And that can happen so much in any ministry and in leadership and certainly even as followers of Jesus. We become followers of the stuff at the expense of the most important ingredient being Jesus Christ. The Lord of the work, you heard me say this, is way more important than the work of the Lord. Some of us get governed by these things, and He calls us to Him, and He gives us this incredible invitation to accept this responsibility to walk with Him. And let me tell you, our calling is a big deal. And I'll tell you why it's a big deal because it's a big deal to Him. And if it's a big deal to Him, then it's a big deal to us. Don't minimize and underestimate the power of what He's spoken of you and what He's called you to. And friends, if no one else sees it, it's okay. He called you, walk in what God has for you. So just a few things, and then I want to get into a biblical illustration of of one who understood this. What hinders our call? A few things, undermining His divine call just want to say to all of us, no matter what your role is, keep an ever-present sense of His divine call and destiny for your life. Keep your call fresh in your mind as you face all the challenges of your responsibility, because calling implies the tools are there to complete the job. And it'll give us courage and confidence to continue in the face of opposition and human opinion. Keep an a, 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 a uh, ever-present understanding of your call, even when it's public, when it's private. Through this crazy season, we enter question. Let it be an everyday thing, God. I'm in your call, even if it doesn't look like it. Just live with that ever-present understanding, because I watch people walk away because they undermining. They undermine the call and think it has to be this public thing to really matter. God's not about public; it's about calling. Am I I making sense? Another one is unaware of what God is doing. This stops us walking in our call. It hinders our calling when we are unaware of what God's doing. Um, Don't be distracted by what God's not doing because you can't see what He is doing. Proverbs 29:18 says that where there is no vision, the people perish, or where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Eugene Peterson 's version says in the message, "When people can 't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what God reveals, they are most blessed. Ignorance is not bliss, and to understand the calling, we 've got to understand and listen of what it is God is doing. Be aware. Ask God. It's helped me. And I'm not an expert in any of this, but I'm telling you, friends, in all seasons, if we can just be aware of what God's doing, it helps us stay in the call of God and walking in what He has for us. Another thing that hinders our calls, just want to be straight up, is the inability to hear God. Not just see what He's doing, but hear God. A.W. Tozer said one of the uh, the one who does not expect God to speak will discount God every time he does speak. And I think with the arrival of social media, I'm just going to go there for a minute. We love to hear our own voice more than we listen to the voice of God. And let me also just say it's hard to hear the voice of God when you've already decided what you want Him to say. Another thing that undermines our calling or hinders our calling is an unwillingness to do what He says. We all love the calling, but then when He tells us to do some stuff, it's like the selective hearing. Do you know what that is? If you have any children, put your hand up, you'll know selective hearing. And what that simply is, is hearing what you want to hear, not hearing what you need to hear. And my sons, they have that disease and it costs them their life. But I want to tell you, we the church have that disease. We selectly hear what we want to hear, and it's no, no, not fitting in with where I'm going. God couldn't have said that. Friends, it undermines the calling of God when we don't do what it is He's called us to. Another one quickly unmet expectations. We all face that. Proverbs thirteen twelve hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. How many of you know we've met many people who've fallen out and stepped away and stepped aside and it's because their hope is deferred. They're always hoping for something they never get. Their hope deferred has made their hearts sick, unmet expectations. But why, if we can stick to the call, stick to what He's called us to through all seasons, we should come out with some trees of life, longings fulfilled. Here's one. Underlying issues and unresolved hurts. Undermine the call of God. Underlying issues and unresolved hurts. Just going to tell you, hurt people, hurt people. What about this one? And then we'll move on from these painful ones. What about unfulfilled in your call and walk? When you're unfulfilled in your call, call and walk, it's a dangerous thing. You know, friends, I love the whole apostolic. I love the sending and going. But let me tell you that unfortunately, in the apostolic and the going and sending, you know what we can have? We can have people who catch with, who have an unholy restlessness. And so, because we we're a going, sending, I just want to keep going because I've got this unholy restlessness. How many of you know God's not about unholy restlessness? If I can just challenge some of us, while God has called us to go, go because God's called you to go, not because you have an unholy restlessness. Some are not called to literally go. We all have a heart to go, but we don't just keep moving on. And and younger people, just forgive me, the commitment thing's not a thing anymore. And it needs to be a thing. And and now we're part of this translocal thing that's global, so we can just hop around and move around. We've got to go where God's called us to go and stay where God's called us to stay. (laughs) That's what's part of the call. (laughs) So much of today's lack is a lack of result of unfocus yesterday. I believe completed obedience. I said the other day establishes a generational echo. We've got to complete what God's called us to do. We have to finish what God has called us to. And the big one, I think, that that really hinders the call of God is the underestimating. His promotional provision to how we respond. I know that there is this thing, God, you've got to do it. God, we are praying. God, move. Some of you, forgive me, it's revival. Bring revival. God, we need revival. Now, I know what we're saying, but let me tell you, in revival, God still called us to do some stuff. And sometimes it's easier for us to get on our knees and say, God, you do it. God, you've got to do it. God, we need you. And God's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I am doing it. But I also have called you to partner with me, and there's some stuff you got to do. And we're like, yeah, but God, you're God, we're not. And your 1%, our 1% with his 99% makes up 100%. And I, I'm just telling you, biblically, God seems to work through people. So we've got to step in to what God has for us. I'm not saying take God's place, but no partnership is. He's 99.99, and we're the 0.00, but we still need that percentage to operate. God calls and then when you step out, God responds. So how we respond actually plays a major role into the calling of what God has for us. And many of you would know the story and I'm not going to be able to read all the chapters, but a story of David. Have you known about David? And let me, I want to just talk a little this evening in a few moments that I have left, is that there is a big difference between calling and calling. And living in the full commission of God. And between calling and commission, there's a word that I think is lacking today and it's called consistency. It's awesome to be called by God. It's wonderful to come to these moments and have prophetic words and all that. But how many of you know, because you called doesn't mean you walk in it from the moment you called it's this constant challenge to be walking in and until the full commission. And one of the greatest stories of this is David, who was called by God. Friends, when you go read, go read First Samuel 16. And I, I made reference to it the other day. And, and you know the story that Saul was the leader of Israel. He was the king of Israel. God called Saul, not man. People say, our man chose Saul. No, God chose Saul. Just read the scripture. Saul actually means called of God. And Israel wanted a king, right? You know the story. And so God was like, I am your king. They're like, no, but we want a king like everyone else. We want to see our king. So God didn't say, I'm going to, God's not spiteful. He didn't say, okay, here's your king. He said, okay, I'll give you a king. And, and he called Saul. He found Saul. He chose Saul. And Saul was chosen by God, not by Israel. And he was used by God. And he, he did some pretty good stuff in the call. But then he wasn't consistent in the call. And within a few years of him... From calling, the cracks began to show and eventually he did all these things he wasn't supposed to do. You know the story. So then God says, how long will you mourn? Because Samuel was mourning Saul and God said to Samuel, how long will you mourn Saul since I have rejected him? Let me ask you a question this evening. Did God make a mistake choosing Saul? Please say no. If you say yes, he's not God, then we got to go there and we don't want to go there. So the point in this is that even the right call, called by God, is not a guarantee if we don't respond to the way God wanted us to. And so God called Saul, Saul messed it up, so God said, I'm rejecting Saul, and I'm going to find someone else. And so we got this this painful moment where Samuel's not happy, and and the Lord said, how long are you going to mourn for Saul when I've rejected him? fill your horn, and go and anoint the new king, so he goes, and he fills it, and he's freaking out, read the story, he's fearful, he arrives in the city, all the elders are shaking, because the man of God has arrived, there's prophets in town, and then he goes to Jesse's house, and he says, hey Jesse, one of your sons is called to be king, and he's like, okay cool, let me get them out, and so he brings out all his sons, and they all come one by one, and the man of God looks, and he says, surely it's this, I mean the prophet was seeing the outward appearance and says surely this is him and surely this is him and they go through the whole thing and then they realize it's none of them <laughs> and then Jesus, uh, Jesus, Samuel's got to say well hey man it was one of them but they're not here so like Jesse do you have anyone else oh yeah, yeah, yeah I do have another son you're right but he's the baby and he's taking care of the sheep and the Lord said bring him in as he walks in the Lord says this is my one Now, they say David was like 15, they say, at that age. David walks in. He's taking care of the sheep. He's 15 years old. And the Lord says, this is my anointed one. 15. Called by God. And so Samuel anoints him with the oil and says, you are now going to be the king. But he doesn't instantly become the king. You know what happens? He goes straight back to take care of the sheep. Even now, he's anointed as king. He's back out taking care of the sheep. Do you see that, friends? I'm called by God. I don't have to do all that. I'm the man of God, woman of God. No, no. Get on with what He's given you. Right? So, okay, that's cool. Then they have a battle. You heard about that. Apparently there's a battle. And so David, who's now the king. His brothers have all seen it. He's anointed as king, although he hasn't been made king. He's now taking food. He's serving his brothers. Now, if I was anointed king in front of my brothers, I'd be like, hey, guys. I ain't bringing you nothing. You know who the king is. And you would do the same. And right there, no consistency. You'll never walk in the commission. What did he say? His father told him, go and take this food to your brother. So he arrives there and he sees what's supposed to be a war, a battle. And there's no battle. There's this giant sand in there. And he's telling God's army, the Israelites, who of you can take me out? And David's like, what's going on here? And the brothers are like, what are you doing here? They're mad. They're offended. Because obviously they know their brother's been anointed. But hey, they're like, you shouldn't be here. You should go take care of the sheep and all. And the whole story. And then Saul sees this guy. And David's like, I'll take him out. And David's not arrogant, but he's confident. And he's like, I've taken out a lion. I've taken out a bear. I can do this. This uncircumcised Philistine, he's messing with God. Who does he think is? God will take him out. And you know the story, right? So boom, there it is. And he goes down there and he's trying to put on the armor. It's like, it's not going to fit me. And he goes there and he takes out Goliath. People begin to see this guy was called, but now God's using opportunities so one day he can become king. But there's a process from the call to the commission. And I believe most people bomb out because they don't understand from call to commission, there's a process of we've got to understand. And so if we all agreed earlier there's more for all of us, then all of us are not walking in the fullness. There's always more, but is God able to use us? Because we've been faithful where we are, not longing for what's next. And then David goes on, and actually things begin to happen. And then the, the you know, Saul can't find a worshiper, and he's having all these issues with demons and stuff. So he gets Saul. I need someone, isn't it? Get me a, someone who can come worship for my... And they go, oh, we know someone, David. So God's now beginning to promote, beginning to promote, beginning to fulfill what he called him to. But here's what I say. God was playing his part, but so was David playing his part by being faithful wherever God put him. Consistent. He goes there and he plays the worship and he does the worship. And then, you know, anyway, the whole story is even Saul eventually turns on him. You know the story. Saul wants to take him out. People want to take him out. I mean, it's this tragic story. Tragic. Every reason for David to want to quit. Every reason for David to say, what happened to the call? I'm called. I'm going to be king. And then David's in the, uh, the, the, the cave and there's Saul he could have taken Saul. His men are saying, let's take out Saul. If we take out Saul, you will be the king. You will be rightfully the king. Let's do this. And he said, it's not my, I don't do that. It's God's timing. It's God's timing. It's God's timing. And eventually when Saul was killed, David didn't rejoice. He lamented. He didn't say, now is my time. Let me be the leader. He lamented. He wept how the mighty have fallen. Never did he try and take over. Never did he try and make it happen. But everywhere he was, he he served faithfully before he was commissioned to be the king. Then when Saul dies... He doesn't just go straight to Jerusalem and become king. You know what he does? He inquires of the Lord. And the Lord says, don't go up there, but go to Hebron, one-twelfth of your inheritance. And so there's this whole process, friends. Go read it. It's it's mind-boggling for me that this man was called at 15, and they say at least 30 or beyond was when he was commissioned actually to become the king, 15 years later. We read these stories and go, wow, man, David. But David walked faithfully. And I'm not trying to build a theology here. What I'm trying to say is many people called by God, chosen, who are not faithful and consistent, they will never walk in the commission God has for them. There's more for all of us in what God's promised. But are we being faithful and consistent so God can keep using us in what He's promised us to walk in? are you there friends yes. so just some tests some tests that we continue to face in this thing of call to commission they're simple things but i'm going to give us just a few i'm hoping this will save us so no more no more people bumming out and falling away and s- stay the course friend it's for the call of God, but also for the future God's given you, which means given us. Your inheritance, my inheritance. Don't bomb out. You should be praying, I don't bomb out. I'll pray, you don't bomb out. Because together we got this great inheritance called by God to reach people. So some tests we will continue to face. Number one, simple, the focus test. <laughs> How many of you heard of that? You see, I said this the other day. The devil desires to destroy you, but he hasn't got the power to destroy you. So how does he destroy us? By distracting us. And I think many people lose their way because they lose their focus. Many people from calling, this is taking too long. This is just not happening like God said. And God didn't say how. He just called him to be king and then sent him back to be the shepherd. And so we come to a quip like this and God's spoken clearly and now we're going to go from here. And we must trust for God to speed things up. But stay focused on the things he's called you to. Because so many people lose their way. I've got a friend. I mean, only one friend. I've got a few friends, I think, who lost his way in God. He grew up in ministry. His parents were in ministry with that, my parents, and we grew up together. He walked away from God. And he was taking some students from a school to Israel and to Palestine and to the whole region there. And he was telling the guys the story. It wasn't a Christian school, but he had students there. And they were standing looking across the Jordan, Mount Nebo. They were standing there, and their students asked him, the teacher, he was the teacher, what happened here? And he said, well, this is where Moses stood and looked at the, the promised land, but God said to him, you will not inherit that. And he felt himself say, what an idiot. And as he said that, because I mean, apparently if you've been there, it's just there, it's not this, ma- it's just here. God said, have a look, That's your, that was your inheritance, but you're not going to walk here. And he said, what an idiot. And then as he said that, it says he had an encounter what an idiot you are. You had an inheritance and you've walked away from. And it changed his life as he explained to those students that he actually has lost his way. There's a call of God and he lost his way. And Maybe some of us need some mountain, Mount Nebo experiences, friend. We need them. Maybe this week's been some of that for us, but it's not a moment. It's something that must change us to stay focused on what God's called us to because the devil desires to distract us, take us out, And I'm begging of you, as you beg of me, let's stay the course. Stay focused. Stay focused. Don't let these moments, or even crazy moments out there, distract you from what God's called you to. The commission comes, not hold on, be faithful in every season. God will make a way. Second test is the faithful test. Not just focused, but faithful. I know that many don't like to talk about faithfulness anymore, but the Bible does. And in actual fact, most of the teaching around the kingdom is faithfulness. And now, you know, yeah, we know. Same king, same Jesus called us to be faithful with what we have. So many times in Scripture, the illustrations are faithful with a little, I'll give you much. We all want much. We all said there's more, but the more can, you can't earn it, but you can lose it if you're not faithful with what you've already been given. And it's not what people see, it's what God sees. Who cares what people see? Don't try and impress your pastors and your leaders or your friends. Or just please Him. He sees it. He's the promoter. You don't have to look to people to promote you. God will not overlook you if you're faithful when no one's looking. David wasn't, hey, I've killed a bear and a lion. He just killed the bear and the lion. And he probably didn't tell anyone, but it gave him courage to take on Goliath. There's stuff David walked through, no one saw. It was him and God, but God saw him being faithful in it. Are you there? Are you faithful? Faithful in serving now rather than being served. David served people, served his brother, served the king even though he was the king. Why? Because it was in his heart to do that. God said, I can keep using you. I can keep using you and you can walk in what I have for you. Be submitted. I know we don't like that word. You know, Aussies are like, uh... Mateship yeah, but submission no. I'm telling you, friend, if you're not submitted, you'll never have authority. God will can't trust you with authority if you're not submitted, obviously to Him and to others. It's part of the package. We all have to live there. I'm submitted, even though I lead this thing. I'm submitted to Him and to people. I'm trying my best to live out what I'm saying to you, because there's more for me in the commission God has. And I watch those who don't submit lose their way and fall out of the race. Surrendering to his timing is part of being faithful. David could have taken out Goli- uh, uh, Saul and become king. Everyone around him said, let's do it and you'll be the rightful king. And he said, not in my timing, it's God's timing. God promotes, not man. Yeah. Maybe some of us, if i not get not rid of that guy, if I got it, no, no, just let God do it, friend. You know, if you do it, you've got to keep doing it to keep it. The greatest thing is when God does it, you don't have to worry. You can sleep well at night because He gave it to you. You didn't go get it. It's the most liberating. That's secure leaders and insecure leaders. If you're insecure, you always got to go and get it and fight for it. If He's given it to you, let Him give it to you in His timing. His delays are not His denials. You've heard about that? And so because it's taking longer, 15 years for David, he could have begun to say, maybe God's denied me. No, no. It's God's timing when it was right. Thirdly, the faith test, and I nearly preached on faith tonight. I want to tell you, faith is something God's stirring in us again. You can be commissioned, you can be called, but we need faith. Faith not just to believe, faith to do. Faith is a verb, faith is a doing word. Hebrews 11, go read Hebrews chapter 11, and it's all about by faith, by faith. These guys did radical things because they live by faith. And I wanted to say to you tonight, it's by faith. We've got to keep living in faith, not despair, not just what we see. Hope is being, uh, faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you do not see. But most of us live by sight, and that's why we fall out. That's why we don't walk in the commission. Live by faith. We need faith. How many of you know? In this season, we've got to step up, we've got to step out, we've got to step through, we've got to step in, and it's going to require faith to be activated as we respond to what God has for us. You know, in Hebrews 11, if you go read it, you'll see that all these guys who did these great things, they lived with purpose. There was purpose to everything they did, even if it didn't make sense. They carried purpose, and I think that's what gave them faith. They, they lived prophetically. They didn't live for the now. They lived for what was to come. They always were aware there's a future in mind, and there's this prophetic utterance for what God's called us to. Friends, if we're going to live by faith, it's got to be how's this going to affect the future. What's this going to look like? Rather than we're just going to do what's best for the now. Those who lived with, uh, all, they all lived with God's promise. Not what do I see, not what am I preached, what do what I promise by God? We've got to come back to the promises of God. Feed yourself with the promises of God. But link the promises of God to God's purpose, not just to this promise that I'm running with. Some of us, if I can be very honest, maybe have taken the promises that are not really what God said, and we're blaming God for not seeing them fulfilled. Because the Bible wasn't written to us. We learned that in Bible college, in seminary. The Bible wasn't written to us. It was written to others, but it was written for us. And so we take every promise that was given to someone so that's mine. Actually, it's linked to the purposes of God, but it, was, it wasn't written to us. It was written for us. So make sure the promises you're holding on to are from God and what He said for what He called us to. <laughs> Clowns. They all live with God's promise. You know what else they did? They all lived in partnership with God. Let me ask you honestly this evening, not just our partnership we have, which I'm grateful. Are you living like you're in partnership with God as individuals? Are you living like you're in partnership with God? In other words, you're doing what He's called you to do. You're working with Him. You've been led by Him. Friends, that's what it means to be a people of faith. Partner with God. In everything you're involved in. They lived with the provision of God. Not what do we have, what did God say? (laughs) They lived as pioneers and foreigners. In Hebrews 11 verse 13 it says of them, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they were admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are living for a country of their own. Aliens and strangers. Are we living as, not weird, aliens and strangers? Or is this where we have settled? this is our home? It's not our home. They lived with privilege. And they lived with price. And if you are a price only person, you're a settler. If you're a privilege-only person, you don't live in reality, but you will pioneer and take ground. These guys saw the privilege of what they're doing. They didn't just highlight the price. That's what it means to partner with God. And I think David understood that through the stuff he was going through, that whatever he was facing, it's a privilege and I'm willing to pay a price regardless of what comes my way. Quickly, number four, the test, the future test. Future. Future. You know, it's like a silly statement, but it's profound. What you believe about the future determines how you live in the present. And I've seen over this season, people literally fall away. Stop walking in the cold because of the fear of the future. And I understand fear, guys. I understand this. But what you truly believe about the future determines how you live. And if you're a leader how you lead in the present the future is essential David understood there was a future God had promised and so he's going to live faithfully in the season he was in knowing the future is going to be great in God another one is fight your battles and win how many of you know there's a battle blazing and we're all called to fight a battle we really are and I just want to say your battles your battle my battle's my battle. I can't fight it for you, you can't fight it for me. We can cheer each other on, but we need to win. Not just fight our battles, we've got to win our battles. You know, I, I, I love being together with people like this, but we've got to hear some testimonies. We need some marshmallows on the fire, and we're going to sit and talk about the trophies and the battles we've won, not just all the people we've lost. We really should. We've got to talk about it. David cut the head off uh, um, Goliath, and he walked around with the head. You remember that? I mean, I'm not like this was a trophy, I think, and put it in his tent, the head of Goliath. Why? This is a battle we won. How about some of that again in our Aussie togetherness? We're not cutting heads off, all right? I'm just, but serious, what about the, these testimonies we should be given? Yes, it's been heck on earth. But in saying that, what has God done? What are the breakthroughs? Let's talk about it cheers each other on. And when you see people doing really well and oh, they got great promotion, don't think they sucked up to someone to get that. You should be asking people who've been given promotion in God, what battles have they had to fight? What Goliaths have they had to slay? I talk to people who are older, who've gone before, and I don't say, oh, whose butt did you kiss to get to where you are? Honestly, forgive me for being crude. We think they must have done something to someone to get that. How about, what Goliaths have you slayed, sir, to get to where you are? Because I want to learn and be encouraged to know what it is you've walked through. We need some of those testimonies. We need breakthrough in that because it keeps us consistent in our calling so we can live in the commission God has. We need to be fruitful. Let's see, the fruitful. Don't wait for your commission to bear fruit. Live in your calling. Now, not one day when I'm recognized. I mean, God made David fruitful wherever he was. That's why God could keep promoting David into the commission because David was fruitful and served so faithfully. But so many people. Maybe he's waiting until I'm recognized, I can't really go bear fruit. You were called to bear fruit because of your relationship with Jesus. Fruitfulness is necessary in any season wherever you're at. Again, guys, God promotes, not man. No man will promote. God promotes. So go and be fruitful. Don't wait to be commissioned. This one you're not going to like, but be fathered. Just because I'm on the F's. Be fathered. Oh, yeah, Tyron, you said the other day about fathers, we don't need them. No, no, but we need people speaking into our lives. We really do. Like You and the Lord is not enough with all due respect. It's not enough. You will not walk in your, call, your the commission if you're not having people speak into your life. And careful who you get to speak into your life. But in your carefulness, make sure someone is. And I'm telling you, friends, I've got people around me, and I've had people around me that have literally spoken radical stuff, like not nice stuff, bad like save my ministry stuff. Because I had people around me. I mean, I've told the story and it's like it's embarrassing, but I have to. Are you teachable? Are you asking questions? Do you allow people to talk to you? And you know, when I first came into ministry, I mean, again, I was born in the church, but doesn't make me a believer. I didn't want ministry ever. I was not interested. But when I kind of came to Christ, like really kinda, and turned it all around by the grace of God and found him, man, God, God began to open doors for me. And it was amazing. And, I, and I, like I, I just took the opportunity and I ministered and I preached. And honestly, God was doing stuff. And I was young and I was getting invited to go and preach. And God was back in my preaching. And signs. it was just wow. And, and to be honest, I began to think, gee, this is, look at me. I mean, from who I was to suddenly now. Oh, look at me! It's hard to even believe you can think like that. I remember I've told the story. I was preaching in a meeting, and my mother came to listen. My mother, my sweet mother. I think the Lord, my dad didn't, but my mother came, <laughs> and she sat near the back, and she listened and listened. Man, I preached. My humble opinion wasn't very humble. It was an awesome preach. It was awesome, and. People responded. People were getting touched. People were Holy Spirit was doing His thing. People were falling over. I mean, it was like, this is great. And I, I was like, "She, I'm sure my mother must be. Wow, this is great. Well done, sir." After the meeting, my mother came up with tears in her eyes, and she came up to the front of you know, you know, vulnerable. If you ever preach, you're pretty vulnerable, especially if you're not just preaching thoughts, preaching out of your heart. From what, you, it, it, it's a battle. So I was like, oh, she's going to obviously... But she came with tears. I was like, gee, the Holy Spirit must have ministered to her. <laughs> I mean it. I thought, gee, Lord, she, her too, huh? And she walked up to me and she said, Tyron, I'm afraid that you've become arrogant in the pulpit. And she literally talked, walked, turned around and walked out. I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't my back. It was right here. <clears throat> And I was so angry. I was angry at her. How can you say that? Did you not see what God did? And did you not see what all the response and the results? And... But I knew when she said that, she was right. And no one told me that except my mother. And I went home that night. I got on my knees and I wept for hours. I repented to the Lord. I said, Lord, I, if you want to take this from me, take it. But I do never want to take any glory I'm telling you, that was t- nearly 28 years ago. I promise you, I remember that most times I preach, not in fear, but in a reminder. you nothing, He's everything. I believe my mother saved my ministry that day. She dared speak in. Now, don't go looking to speak bad, but I'm telling you, friends. No, I'm serious, because some of you, oh, that's my job, I'm going to go tell everyone. It's not your job. You're not the Holy Spirit, okay? It's not your job. We don't need more police people in the church. We need the Spirit to tell us. But we need to be genuine and understand and receive that. And I don't believe I would be walking in the commission God has given me if I did not get that warning from my mother. Be teachable. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you're old here today, there was one or two hands that went up. I'm telling you this. If you're not teachable because you're older, you're going to miss out the full commission. I mean, Leon and Pat, and some of these old... I mean, they're old people. They are older, but they're still teachable. They, they take notes when we preach. Half the stuff we preach in, they taught us. Thank God when you're older, you forget all this stuff. It's true. I said to my my dad's heard me preach, and he's like, gee, that was good, son. And I was like, yeah, it's from your manual. And he goes still good. I didn't remember it. You know. So, but, but seriously, please hear that. Don't, there's more for everyone here till Jesus comes back or you go to be with him. But you can cut off the more and the commission if you're not teaching. If you're not willing to let people speak into your life and speak honestly and ask for it and look for it, it's God's way to save our lives and ministries. Young guys, get connected to people who will speak into your life. Not just your friends who tell you how awesome you are. People who will truly tell you what matters and think it will save your ministry, your life, and your commission. I think a lot of these guys who've fallen out is they would not allow people to speak. They have structures and systems in the church today that's business model that no one can get to the main dude. I'm not having a go. Biblically, you have finished. I remember one of the biggest churches in America, the pastor there, now I've got to be careful, who fell morally and fell for a bad situation, not just for, he fell, yeah, I don't, anyway, he fell badly (laughs) and it crushed the church. And I remember that guy who took over, I met the guy who took over this mega church and I asked him, how's it going there? He said, you know what's interesting is the guy who fell morally had 13 boards that he was accountable to yet he was still able to do whatever he wanted. Because you can have every board in place. If you don't truly submit and ask for input, you you can have every structure right until if your heart's not right, you're not willing to hear, you you will fall out of the race. Please hear that, friends. None of us are above this. We should learn from what's happened around the world and say, Lord, I want people around me who can speak, who care, who will father me, mother me, not in being their sons and daughters, but speak straight and honest to give me the future God has. I love my sons, but I'm not their friend. I'm their father. And I love hanging out with my boys and they're getting older now, but I still will not just play the game and be buddy-buddy. I want to speak life to them because of their future. And we need that around us, every one of us in this room. Be humble, ask questions, be teachable. Number eight, be a follower. I do want to say we've got to be great followers if we're going to make good leaders. I don't hear a lot on following, except obviously following Jesus has become a thing now. But we need more books on followers. We all want to be leaders, but no one wants to follow. How many of you know if you can't follow, you'll never lead? You can't lead if you don't follow. And David was a follower. He followed and became a great leader because he was with Elijah to Elisha. You know the story. It says of Elisha, Elijah, Elisha, that when Elijah called Elisha, he sold everything and burnt everything. and He didn't have a backup plan. He went. But he went and he followed Saul, uh, Elijah. He didn't say, I'm the next guy. Move over. It's my time. He went and became his attendant and he followed I do think we'll be great leaders who will walk in our commission if we know how to follow, not just know how to lead. You know, too often we release people because they're bad followers. It's like, you need to go plant a church because you don't know how to follow. I mean, is not that sound great? It's like, I can't lead you, so just go lead. And you know what you're going to do out there? If you can't follow, you're going to destroy God's people out there. It's not a sign you should go lead if you don't know how to follow. It's a sign you're not called to lead God's people because you're not trustworthy of being a follower. Nearly there, landing. The flexibility test. I'm just going to throw it out there. The test of flexibility. Nothing went according to David's plan. I'll tell you what, friends. If you've planned it all out, you're in trouble to not walk in the commission of God if you believe you've worked it all out and God's told you everything on how it's all going to look, you're wrong. And if you're not willing to be wrong, you're not flexible. And if you're not flexible, you're going to begin to deny the call of God and eventually disgruntled and burnt out and living some other dream and settled for what was rather than what it is God has. And people all over Australia that I know have gone there. And I think it's because they were not flexible. Because God changes things. God does it His way. And I look back on my life, I'm telling you the things He promised me look very different to how I believed they were going to be. And I'm so grateful that I didn't get stuck on the how, I just had to trust the Lord and you said. I think for some of us, just prophetically, that's where you're at. You want to quit because it hasn't happened. You don't quit. Don't hold on. Just trust the process. Trust God. I gotta land. The forgiving test. Put your hand up if you've never been hurt by anyone. (laughs) Why? Because people hurt us. Leaders hurt us. Everyone hurts us. And I'm not trying to be woe is me, but if you're not willing to forgive, you'll never walk in the commission. People are not out to hurt you, but they will hurt you. And people disappoint you. And I watch people who are always hurt and disappointed. And they've settled. They no longer even have faith for a future, they don't even believe they have a future because they cannot forgive people. And Jesus taught us about forgiveness and how to forgive in Matthew 18. And he lays it out. Your brother sins against you, go to your brother, and it's this great picture of forgiveness. But then he goes on, and his disciples finally say, you mean we got to forgive up to seven times? I mean, that's a lot, right? Once is enough. Seven times. And Jesus looked at him and was like, oh. 70 times 7 or 77, whatever the number is. But what, what he wasn't saying, count. That's once, that's twice, that's two. Just keep forgiving everyone all the time. You see, if you're not willing to forgive, they carry on. You're the one who gets shipwrecked. And I, I watch people, oh, I'm mad at them. Well, get over it, get on with it. Why? They're running their race and you're sitting behind waiting for them and you're drinking poison and waiting for them to die. You're dying. Come back to say, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to trust. I'm telling you, friends, if you are serious about this commission, this is one of the big ones. Are you willing to forgive everyone all the time? Keep forgive, Almost forgive people before they ask for forgiveness. Just walk around forgiving. There's leaders that have hurt some of you. That's why you maybe came here or moved here. And, but forgive because other leaders are going to end up hurting you because faith in leaders will always hurt. And not everyone's out to hurt everyone, but at the end of the day, we're going to have to just learn to forgive. So can you forgive everyone every time? I, mean, I don't want to dishonor people. Some of my best friends, some of my fathers in the faith have hurt me bad. They've turned on me. They've turned against me. They've built things away from me. They've tried. To, and I'm not trying to be woe is me. I, I'm being hurt a bit. But I'm telling you, if I allowed that to destroy, I couldn't have walked in that. I'm not... I'm not there, there's more. There's been many days, I'm just, I can't do this anymore. And then, Lord, I'm going to forgive, I'm going to forget. It's not personal. Don't take anything personal. We all have a reason to stop, but God's called us to carry on, to walk in the commission that He has for us. The financial test. I love the emphasis on marketplace. I love the emphasis on business. I'm going to just tell you this. It's for the kingdom, not so you can have money. C.S. Lewis said, prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it, while really it is finding its place in him. So many of us have this incredible call, and then we have some success in some of the call, and then we begin to pursue success. No longer the call and the commission. Business people, can I just step on your toes for a moment? The amount of business people we've stood with and prayed. Lord, please. And they've said to me, Tyron, if we just get the breakthrough, we're going to fund the kingdom. We're going to funnel money to around the world for church planning. We're going to buy buildings. And, we're gonna... and I'm like, that's awesome. So we stand, we pray, we fast. We stand, we pray, we fast. And then they get their breakthrough and they're gone. We never see them again. Why? The blessing has become the curse. And I'm not trying to point fingers and say you shouldn't have money. God, if God blesses you, then fill your pockets. But He didn't bless you to fill your pockets. He blessed you to release the resources for the kingdom of God to be fulfilled. Are you, are you okay? Are you with me? You cannot confess that there is a world, the world is not your home, yet fear giving up the keys to your house. The last point is free to be you. Isn't it amazing how Saul wanted David to wear his armor? The only way you can beat that guy is you put on my armor. And so he tries. <laughs> he knew, I can't wear this, it's too big. I was gonna... And I want to just say, you will never walk in your commission if you're putting on someone's armor. And so this is a twofold. Those of us who are helping people come through, make sure you don't put your armor on them. And those of you who are walking in the mall, don't start putting people's armor on you. We need people to be free to be who God's called them to be pastors and leaders, don't be what others want you to be or what your people want you to be or even what the church culture or what we tell you to be. You be who God's called you to be and you do what God's called you to do. Otherwise, you'll never walk in the full commission. And those of you who are coming through, we're going to give you great advice. I trust in it, but don't try and be someone you're not. Just be you. some things we can do about our future. Most of it is in the hands of God, but there are some things. And there's some great illustrations in Scripture of those who did it and others who haven't. I just feel like for us prophetically going forward, there's a whole lot more that God has for all of us, even coming out of this crazy season. But this I want to say, it's not only in God's hands. It's also in our hands to how we respond. So I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind just standing quickly. Just stand and just just, just close our eyes for a moment, please. This is not an inward moment. This week is not about being inwards and downwards. It's been about upwards and outwards. But I do feel before we leave, get busy with leaving and saying goodbye and I do feel there's just a, a moment that God wants to release some of us. It's just to shake it off, to throw it off, maybe to come back to just that place of surrender or just ask, are you consistent? Is that something that would describe you? It's not like you have to put it on, just respond. I'm not going to call you out, come out. I'm just going to ask you, if you where you're at. If you just know that actually, you know, Tyron, there is this call, but I've got so busy and, you, and like, I need to come back. to. Can God keep putting, using me and releasing me into what He promised? Or have I put it all on Him and just me doing my own thing? I beg of you, friends, that we don't come back next year and some of you have fallen, fallen out of the race. You don't have to be at the quip, but don't fall out of the race. Please, you don't have to. Just trust God. But there's a speeding up of process. But would you stay consistent so God can keep using? I'm convinced. I can't prove this theologically. But if David didn't serve faithfully in every context where God put him, I don't believe David could have become the king of Israel. I don't believe he would have walked in that commission there's no guarantees if God says it I know He'll do it but He'll do it with people who are willing to be faithful in it so just let's close our eyes for a moment this is like between you and the Lord no one's business but if you say you know that's me I'm one of those people just put your hands up no one's looking just let's let's seal this week by responding Consistency is key from call to commission. Just raise your hands if you need to, and just do one minute, just some business with that great King tonight. the power of our response. How we respond determines what God will do, can do with what He's spoken over us. Trust and obey for there's no other way Be happy in Jesus and to trust and obey. Father, I pray this evening as we go from this wonderful time together, and in a sense, we trust things have changed from these few days together. That things have changed in us, you've changed us. You've spoken, you've said, you've revealed, you've confirmed. You've delivered, you've healed, you've restored. Even though we've changed, we trust our circumstances have changed as we go back. We trust things have shifted over the purposes and the plans that you have for us. But I also ask that we'll stay the course. Not white knuckle Christianity, not hang in there, but stay true. Stay faithful. Trust us with cities and regions, nations, people, people groups. As we prove faithful wherever we are, we're not serving any people, we're not serving man, we're serving God. You've called us to great, great things. The great things are everything you've called us to, not just the stuff that everyone sees. There's people in this room who've slayed bears and lions spiritually. No one's seen it. God sees it. God sees it. That's all that matters. It's in those moments and faithfulness, God will open more doors. More doors. Don't go looking for doors. Just serve faithfully where you are and God will give you doors. God's going to give us cities. God's going to give us regions. God's going to give us more nations from this nation. We're going to have more churches planted, more established, more apostles released, more prophets, more evangelists, more pastors, more teachers, more leaders, more business tasks, more mothers, more fathers. It's the promise of the Father. And you're part of that promise. Let's be faithful and consistent in it all so we can walk in the commission until Jesus comes back. And so, Father, I just pray your absolute blessing over these men and women. Lord, I pray your protection in this crazy season. Would you protect people? Would you provide? Would you bless? Even in seasons of lack, would you give us more so we can carry on with what you have? Can we ask for more miracles, Lord? More signs, more wonders, more provision that people will look at us and say, but God, it has to be God been so good to us so so good to us never left us we've never walked alone i pray for greater evidence of breaking through and breaking up and breaking open as we simply stay true to the call so i pray your blessing lord bless these men and women bless this great nation of australia bless the church in this nation let the church arise let your people arise in this hour Let us stay true and faithful to what you've said. Would you keep adding and multiplying us for greater impact that we can show the world how awesome Jesus really is. So it's into that we commit this, Lord, into your name for your fame and your power for your glory. You are worthy of it all. You are the reason for it all. We say, worthy King, We want to be faithful to serve you, to show you to the world, and to live in the purposes and the plans that you've called us to, we ask. Thank you for each other in this room. Thank you that your presence goes with us. That's what gives us courage. In Jesus' name.